Welcome to Thrive Lathrop Podcast. Here at our church, we believe that everyone can thrive. Make sure to subscribe to our channel and enjoy this life-changing message. Good morning. Wow, come on. Wasn't that powerful? Wasn't that powerful? Hey, do me a favor. If you got baptized this morning, can you stand to your feet for me real quick if you're in the room? Come on, stand to your feet, stand to your feet, stand to your feet. Come on, family. I know some of them are still getting changed. Let's give it up for everyone who got baptized this morning. Come on, come on, so good. You guys have your seat. Wow, I've, I've never had to do this and preach. That messed me up. I was in the corner, normally I'm all crying, and then I was like, oh, I gotta talk today. There's no one like Jesus. There's no one like Jesus. There's no one. This, what we do is not religious activity. We don't believe in baptisms because it's a cool Christian thing to do. Everyone who got baptized today said yes to following Jesus for the rest of their life. Because God did a miracle in their life and their heart. That once we were lost, but now we're found. Come on, somebody. That we were broken, that we were hurt, and Jesus rescued us. Because there's no one like him. There's no one like him. I'm, 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 stand, I'm sitting in the corner and I'm, I'm weeping because uh, for some of you, you remember when you got baptized. When you said yes. When, when, you, when you said yes to Jesus and you said no to everything else in this world. But you said yes to him. And what a powerful, what a powerful moment. Even entire families getting baptized. Come on now. Legacy transformed, lives changed forever, kids and grandkids and grandkids from generation to the next generation to the next generation. I believe with all my heart that this is what we do here at Thrive. We're not here just to be a cool social club, but we're here to let Jesus do what he wants to do so that way families forever could be transformed by the love of Jesus. Come on, if that's not exciting... If that doesn't do something in you, come on. So cool. So cool. For those that do not know me, I know you saw my face on the video five minutes ago. Uh, my name is Pastor Chris. I get to serve as the lead pastor of this house. And I'm so grateful to have you with us here this morning. For those that are a Thrive family, it's good to have you here in the building or watching online. And then for those that are here for the first time with us, thank you for coming. Thank you for joining us. Uh, we're so privileged to have you with us. Make sure you get that visitor gift on the way out. We upgraded the visitor gift. I don't know if you knew that. Did you see it? We upgraded it. It's like, when, like in the Mario game when he gets the mushroom and he gets bigger. You know what I'm saying? And it's free. Come on now. Come on, make sure you go in the back and get your gift. And we just want to say we love you and thank you for joining us. Awesome. Do me a favor, stand to your feet. Come on, everyone, stand to your feet. We're going to jump into the word this morning. And we're going to go to the book of Matthew, chapter 3, verses 16 through 17. And we're going to jump right into it. Matthew, chapter 3, verses 16 through 17. You can look at it on the screen or you can open it in your Bible or on your phone if you have it. And it says this. And this was totally planned, but not planned. I think this is a perfect passage for what we saw today. And it says this in verse 16. And when Jesus was baptized, immediately he went up from the water. And behold, the heavens were opened to him, and he saw the Spirit of God descending like a dove and coming to rest on him. 
And behold, a voice from heaven said, this is my beloved son. Everybody say beloved. Beloved. Everybody say son. This is my beloved son with whom I'm well pleased. Come on, let's pray. Jesus, thank you. Thank you for everything you're doing here at Thrive. Thank you for the dream team making it happen. Thank you for the people in this room, the church that is alive and well today that are here week in and week out to hear you and to do what you've called us to do. Thank you, God, for the individuals who got baptized this morning that said yes to a life in you and that said yes to following you forever. And Jesus, I pray that as we go ahead and dive into this word, that you would uh, speak through me and God, I would decrease and you would increase and we would hear what you have to say to us this morning. We love you, we thank you. And in Jesus' name, everybody said... Amen. Go and have a seat. Go ahead and have a seat. Today, we're continuing our Inside Out series, and the topic for today, we're on week seven. We're going to talk about identity. We're going to talk about identity. And, and I, I'm so excited for today. I, I, I've been excited throughout this whole series, but I love talking about identity. I do. And one of the reasons why I love to speak on this topic of identity is because I, I firmly believe that this is just one of those things you got to come to, come back to every now and then. We have to talk about this. And, and, and probably why we have to talk about this is because there is such an onslaught in culture today that would try to define who you are. But I believe that the only person who can define who you are is Jesus. I, I love the, um, this topic because it allows us to really dive in to understand who we really are because the only way you're going to understand who you really are is by knowing who Jesus is. You don't get one without the other. And if you and I, we've been talking about maturity the last six, seven weeks now, and it's been, it's been powerful. It's been a lot of fun. And, and maturing in Jesus and, and having spiritual maturity and making sure we're not staying infants or making sure we're not staying um, in that place of just the baby steps that we would grow and mature, right? Um, the only way we're going to do that, the only way we're going to do that is we got to know who we are. We got to know who we are. We got to know who God has called us to be. We have to know who we are in Jesus. And I, I love this um, passage because here, I'm just going to jump through the passage in a little bit. Then I got a couple points to share with you that I feel are going to be really good and really helpful for some of you in the room. Um, it's really important to understand this because here you have this story where Jesus just gets baptized. Just like all the indivi- other individuals that just got baptized. And I think that was like the perfect illustration for today's message. Because this is what's happening when when an individual gets baptized. And all of you who went through baptism class know this. Or all of you who've been baptized know this. But but what you're saying is this. And this is how Paul describes it. He's saying that when you get baptized, you are dying to your old self. And when you come out the water, you are now resurrecting in your new life with Christ Jesus. That, that, That baptism is a symbol And an analogy and an example of God is getting rid of the old me. 
The me that was broken, the me that was lost, the me that was in sin, the me that chose everything else except for him. And as I come up out of the water, the same way that Christ was raised from the dead is the way you and I are raised when we come out of that water. And what's beginning to happen in the process, if you didn't know this, is that if you and I are going to follow Jesus, the only way you're going to follow him into the capacity that you're called to follow him is you can only follow him in the new identity he gives you and not the old identity you want to run to come on anybody yeah and 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 that that tends to happen sometimes right with us normally as people what we like to do is do things we like to do new things in the old way come on we're notorious for it right we like to do we like to do the things that we want to do now but in the way we used to do them and in following Jesus we cannot do that we, we won't get far because God renews our identity and knowing who we are in him is so vital to following him. And, and I feel like this is, I was a youth pastor before and so I feel like this is normally a typical youth pastor, young adult pastor, young people, millennial, Gen Z type of message. But, but I'm firmly convinced that I think one of the hard, I was just talking with a pastor friend yesterday, well, at least for pastors, one of the biggest plagues or spiritual diseases a pastor or a leader can have is, is, the, is the disease of insecurity. I kind of tell you that some of the most immature people I've met, hopefully no one in here, right? Come on. Don't start looking at people. Don't look at your cousin or something. Don't do, don't do all that. But, but normally the most immature people I know are the people who are the most insecure. And can I tell you that the solution, the antidote to insecurity is understanding identity? Can I tell you that the, the insecurities you might struggle with in your life, the insecurities I might struggle with in my life, the answer to them is understanding our identity in Jesus. And why is that so important? Because the only, he is the only one who can show us our identity because he's the only one who created us. Because the only person that made you is the only person that can define you. Right? Come on. Come on. So here you have this beautiful story. Check this out. Jesus gets baptized. And, and come on, incredible, right? I almost felt like Holy Spirit was going to break out the room in this morning, right? I thought the dove was going to come in. I was all weeping in the corner. I don't know what was going to happen. Uh, but, but here you have this story in John 3, where, or Matthew 3, where, where Jesus gets baptized. And the Bible says that, imagine, right, it's in this river, it's in the Jordan, and this dove comes from heaven, and you just hear this loud voice. I, I read my Bible, and for some reason, every time I hear God speak like that, it sounds like Morgan Freeman. You know what I'm talking about? In my brain. <laughs> yeah. Right? And, and you just hear this loud voice. It says, this is my son. He, God, right? This is my son whom I'm well pleased. Everyone now starting to hear it like Morgan Freeman. Y'all were hearing it instead of me, right? It's funny. And, and it's, it's pretty cool because you have um, this, this situation where Jesus gets baptized. All of heaven opens up. And here's what we find. We find that Jesus from baptism goes into Matthew 4. And what we find is that before Jesus gets baptized, we have no account or record of any ministry he did. We have no account or record. We, we only have a couple stories. We have the story where he gets lost in the temple, right, in Luke chapter 2, or where he gets lost in the temple and he stays there and, and he, he, his parents are, are freaking out because they lost Jesus. Like imagine being that parent. Like you, 
you freak out when you lose your kid at like Chuck E. Cheese. Imagine losing, losing Jesus, right? And, and, and that's what they did. They lost Jesus, and they find Jesus at church. And, and Jesus is hanging out with all the pastors at 12 years old at church. And, 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 but from 12 to 30, we don't really have a lot of, of Jesus' story. We, we don't have a lot of historical documentation. And then we find that Jesus gets baptized. And here's what happens. The father decides to tell the world, not just Jesus, in that moment of obedience and baptism, that he is pleased and he's his son. And so before Jesus does anything in the New Testament, miracles, signs, and wonders that we know of, I mean, he might have, he might have been 15 years old and like moonwalking on water or something, I don't know. But, but, but what we know of is that we didn't see Jesus do anything from really Matthew 1, 2, 3, 4, until after he got baptized. And I think that's so important for you and I to understand because what I think we try to do is we try to jump into action without knowing who we are. But for Jesus, it was the opposite. I believe the reason why Jesus was able to accomplish everything he was able to accomplish as both man and God is not because he was earning acceptance, but that he was living from a place of acceptance because he understood his identity as a son to the father. And what you and I can begin to understand is this, is that how you grow, put that up, how you grow is rooted in who you are. And the only way you and I are going to grow, the only way you and I are going to do what God wants us to do to grow to the capacity God wants us to grow is you and I have to have a moment with God where God begins to describe and tell you and you begin to believe and be convicted in the identity that God has in you and for you. Because you're not going to be able to function without knowing who you are. And so you have Matthew chapter 3. Jesus gets baptized. The father says he's, beloved, he's his beloved son, whom he's well pleased. Beautiful passage. And then this is what happens next. Matthew chapter 4. Don't worry. You have to stand up again. I'll read this one. I got you guys this week. You're good. Matthew chapter 4 says this, and then Jesus was led up by the Spirit into the wilderness to be tempted by the devil. I'm going to stop right there. God, John the Baptist baptizes Jesus. God comes down from heaven. God speaks. The Trinity at all in one in one moment. Holy Spirit as a dove, Jesus in the water, God talking from heaven. How epic is this moment when the whole Trinity had to get involved? And the thing that God wants to prove more than anything else is like your obedience was necessary and I love you, son. I'm so proud of you. That's what God, that's what God did in that moment. All the Trinity, thousands of people probably, right? Or whoever was there. And that's what happens. And then the next thing God does is by the Holy Spirit, he leads Jesus to the wilderness to be tempted by the devil. And let me break your Christian bubble a little bit for those of you, especially those who just got baptized. It doesn't mean it gets easier. It just means you have an anchor. It doesn't mean that your life is all like peaches and rainbow and butterflies and cute stuff. No, life, life is hard sometimes. And, 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 and would we even fathom or imagine that sometimes it's even the Holy Spirit that will lead us through stuff, not because he's trying to break us, but he's trying to build us. So the Holy Spirit leads Jesus to the desert to be tempted. Oh, that's another message for another time. 
And the enemy tempts him. Come on, I'm going to keep reading. The enemy tempts him. And this is what he, this is what he does. And after fasting for 40 days, that, that's enough. The Bible says 40 days and 40 nights, he fasted and he was hungry. I don't know how he did it. Some of y'all, y'all can't even fast for like the afternoon. Come on. You said you were going to start January 1st and January 2nd. You gave up. Let's just be real. Jesus did it for 40 days and 40 nights. And the tempter came to him. And then he asks him three questions. He says, if you're the son of God, command these stones to become loaves of bread. That's question number one. But Jesus answered, it is written, man shall not live by bread alone, but every word that, that comes from the mouth of God. Second question the devil tempts him with, verse 5. Then the devil took him to the holy city and set him on a pinnacle of the temple and said to him, if you are the son of God, throw yourself down, for it is written, he will command his angels concerning you, and on their hands they will bear you up, lest you strike your foot against a stone. Jesus responded to him, said to him, again, it is written, you shall not put the Lord your God to the test. Third temptation. Again, the devil took him to a very high mountain and showed him all the kingdoms of the world and, glory, and their glory. And he said to them, all these I will give you if you will fall down and worship me. But Jesus responded. He said to him, be gone, Satan, for it is written, you shall worship the Lord your God and him only shall you serve. Then the devil left him and angels came and were ministering to him. Now, let me keep it real. By question number three, I probably would have messed up because I'm not Jesus. Some of you, by question one, you would have messed up because some of us love bread way too much. I know how you tear it up at Olive Garden because I do too. Matthew chapter 3, Jesus gets baptized. The Holy Spirit comes like a dove. All the heavens open up. God is speaking from the voice of heaven. This is my son, whom I'm well pleased. Epic moment in scripture. Everyone's there. Jesus in this encounter moment with the Father and the Holy Spirit. Iconic moment. And his identity is established as a son in God. Matthew chapter 4. Jesus, by the same Holy Spirit who fell from heaven as a dove, decides to lead him to the wilderness. And what does the devil do? Find him in a weak state. And what does the devil do when he finds us in a weak state? He tries to tempt us. And this is what the devil does. He does not tempt Jesus in his strength. He tempts Jesus in his weakness. And what does he do? He tempts him in his identity. The very thing that God established in Matthew chapter 3. So when you're at home, and after church on Sunday, and everything's awesome, this is why the devil comes to you and starts telling you, oh, you're not a Christian. Oh, you're not the real deal. Oh, you're not legit. Oh, you're fake. Oh, you're this. Oh, you're this. Why? Because if the devil can skew your identity, he can skew your purpose. And for you and I to understand that what God was doing was making sure that Jesus, fully man and fully God, was able to solidify his identity. That if it wasn't for Matthew 3, Matthew 4 wouldn't happen and vice versa. Meaning that he didn't tempt him first and then baptize him. No, no. He baptized him, solidified his identity, established his identity, and then tempted him. Why? Because God knew that the devil is not greater than what Jesus just already had in that moment. And for you and I... To understand and really comprehend this and dive into this is so important because you and I need to fall in love with the identity that God gave us in him. We do. We need to ask God, who am I? We need to ask Holy Spirit, who am I? 
Who am I? And, 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 and can I tell you, if you ask him that question, he's going to tell you amazing things. He's also going to tell you things to make sure you're not doing something you're not supposed to do. But he's going to tell you amazing things. And so Henry now, and he's an amazing author, he breaks it down like this. And, and the next few points, I, I really, we kind of took it from him. And, and I think it's incredible. He, he talks about this moment. And he says that there's three lies of identity we tell ourselves. I am what I have. I am what I do. And I am what other people say or think of me. In other words, we buy into the lie that we are our success, our popularity, and our power. And so I want to go through these. Point number one. Because I believe these are the three biggest lies that, that the enemy will try to skew and, and d- dilute and tamper with your identity. Number one is you are not what you do. I want to tell everyone in this room this morning and those watching online that you are not what you do. Your identity is not in your occupation. For some of you that are men, that's tough. Because men, like, right, we're men. We like, we, if you like your job, you like to brag about it. If you, right, we, we, like, we like to show the world who we are. Not based on who we are in Jesus, but who we are and what we do for Jesus. And those are two completely different things. Here, let me give you a perfect example. I'll just, I'll just speak to, about myself. Um, it's like telling everyone, like if my Twitter name was like Pastor Chris Goes, and that's fine. It's not a problem. However, that's not like the name Jesus gave me. I wasn't born, God didn't, like, I wasn't born and God was like, your name is Pastor Chris. My, parent, my parents were crazy too. There was no idea they were ever going to put that down on the birth certificate. My name is Chris. My identity is not in my occupation. My identity is not in my leadership. Yeah, I'm a pastor. But if I, if I put my identity in what I do, I will always fall short of who I am. And so Jesus gets tempted. What's the first thing? The devil comes and he tells Jesus, hey, Jesus, go ahead and turn these stones because I know you're hungry. Come on, anybody know? The Bible said he was hungry. Come on. I know you're hungry. Why don't you turn these stones into bread? What, what is the enemy saying? He's saying, Jesus, if you're really God, your identity needs to be in what you do. Because you can do it. Can't you do it? Can't you do it? Right? Can't, you can't do it? Can't you do it? And, and the Bible says, instead of allowing the enemy, and, and even what's crazy, is, is that even bad to eat bread? Is that even bad? Someone said no really loud. That's hilarious. They shut that down real quick. They said, Pastor Chris, if you make an altar call for bread, I am not coming up. That's awesome. Jesus Jesus wasn't going to let the enemy tell him who he was. See, that's what's happening. Jesus just had a moment where the father told him who he was, and he solidified his identity in the father. But now the devil wants to tell him who he was, and the devil wants to manipulate him to use his power is God to do what the devil wants him to do. And Jesus is like, no, because you don't tell me who I am. And I'm, my identity is not in you. My identity is in the Father. Yeah. And so you and I have to catch this, that you are not what you do. Family, you are not what you do. Positive or negative, you are not what you do. You are not your sin of your past. You are not the things you did. You are not the stuff that's happened to you. You are not what you do. You are not the thing that you did when you were a teenager. You are not the lies you told. In Jesus, now listen to me, if you're not in Jesus, maybe. 
But in Jesus, when you get saved and you accept him and God begins to transform your heart, you have a new identity. You're a new creation in Christ Jesus. So you are not what you do. Not to say we're not called to do stuff. Faith without works is dead. James is very... It's very clear on that. But what we contend to do is put all our identity and who we are based on what we do. And then we feel empty on the inside and we stop growing. You are not what you do. You are not what you do. So for those of you that are, for example, like moms. Mom's an incredible calling. I honor, I, I couldn't be a mom. Mom's hard. I thank God for my wife. But my wife, her main identity in life is not to be mom. My main, her main identity in life is to be daughter. Why? Because the only way that she's going to be a great mom is she's a great daughter to Jesus. The only way she's going to be a great wife is if she's a great daughter. The only way it's going to function and operate is if she knows who she is in Jesus. I'm going to be a great pastor, not because I'm gifted and I'm called, but because I know who I am in Jesus. And we cannot buy into the lie that you are what you do. Can I tell you today, you are not what you do. Number two, you are not what others say about you. You're not what others say about you. Here's the second temptation. He said, he said this, the devil took him to the holy pinnacle and set him on the temple, verse six. And this is what the devil said. The devil's, he's, he's wild. He just be saying stuff, dumb stuff. He said, if you're the son of God, throw yourself down. He questions his identity on what other people say about it. If you're really the son of God, if you're really this, if you're really that, and, and what, the, what Jesus has to do in this moment is confront the lie that he is not what others say about him. He is the son of God, but he doesn't have to prove he's the son of God to prove to others. He only has to be obedient to the father because that's where his identity is in. Does that make sense? And so even a, a common question I've heard when I, when I was a youth pastor with, with atheists is, well, if God was real, why doesn't he show himself to everyone on the earth? So that way they can, he can prove that he's real to everyone. And, and what I tell them is this, and, and I've heard this from a couple of their pastors, is that's not God's point. God's point isn't to prove that he's a fact. God's point is to have relationship with people that would choose him. God doesn't need to prove anything to us. He's God. He don't, like when your parents ask, when your kids ask you why, Devil's a liar. So like my brother, I love my brother. He just got baptized. But he's still 17, and when you take that phone away, it's World War III. And you know what he asks me? Why? And you know what I tell him? I'm not going to tell you why. Actually, that's really nice. No, what I tell him is, huh? That's exactly what I tell him. <laughs> if I can be honest, if I can be really real, he's like, but Chris, why are you taking my phone? <laughs> You're funny. You think you can ask why? Because <laughs> I bought your phone, bro. Because it's my phone and it's my house. And we asking Jesus, why? Why? Why am I going through this? Why'd you give me that manager? Why am I going through this stuff? And God's like, just do it and just follow me and stop getting so caught up in what others say about you. 
Just do what I called you to do. Just do what I called you to do. Just be, just be a son. Just be a daughter. Just do what I called you to do. This is what the devil's saying. He's saying, well, well, Jesus, if you're really God, you'll fall down from this pinnacle and angels will catch you. Like, how scandalous is that? It's like when someone tries to make a bet with you and you know, like, you're right or they're right and you're wrong. You, you, it's, you know it's a setup. And what, because what is the enemy trying to do? If I can, right, again, if I can change his identity, if I can convince Jesus to trust me more than the Father, if I can get him to do something and challenge who he is, then I'm winning. But what does Jesus say? He combats it with scripture and he says, no, that's not what the Bible says. The Bible says you're not supposed to test God. Let me tell you, for those in the room who struggle with titles on your life, who have been told you're a failure and you're a mistake, you're an accident and you're a screw up, that you never should have been born and you never should have been here. There's been names. Even for some of you, I love when Pastor Eric talks about this, your last name. There's an identity because you're a Rodriguez or a Hernandez or a whatever is because there's a lot of Mexicans in the room. Come on. (laughs) And there's this pressure to be your last name instead of a son and a daughter. You're not what others say about you. Your identity is not what others say about you. Your identity is in Jesus. Last point is you are not what you own. Last thing that the devil tempts Jesus with is he takes him to a mountain and shows him the whole world. And he says, if you would just bow down and worship me, I'll have the whole world bow down and worship you. As if God didn't know, as if Jesus didn't know that he was going to die on the cross and rise again on a third day. And he was going to be on the throne in heaven forever until eternity. You know what the devil will do? He will always try to give you a cheap way out that is a counterfeit to what your actual destiny is. Because the God's eternity, Jesus, on the earth, he was always going to be God on the throne one day. He, the Bible says in Philippians that every knee will bow and every tongue confess one day that Jesus is Lord. He didn't need the devil to help him. But for some reason, what you and I do is we let, we, we let the enemy get into the plan and we think sin will help us get to where we want to get. And it's counterfeit. It's fake. And it will, it's never true. You're not what you own. And, and for me, this one, this one's real. Especially, so for me, I grew up with no parents. For me, I grew up with really a father and a mother that were inside and outside of my life. And when you, and I grew up poor. Like, come on, like, like food stamps, CBT card poor. Some of y'all know what I'm talking about. And then what begins to happen is you begin to get this mentality, an orphan mentality, a victim mentality, that my success is based on my stuff. Even, even, even as a pastor, my success is based on how many people are in the seats. My success is based on how many followers I could have on Instagram. My success is how much stuff I can own. And, and what you have to begin to realize is all of that is shallow. When your identity is in the things you own instead of the God that made you, you'll always feel empty. You are not what you own. So I feel like this morning, God just wanted to free us up a little bit. 
to remind us who we are in him. I love what Henry Nouwen says. He says, you are not your success. You are not your power. And you're not your popularity. But in the world, that's what they define identity as. Out there, that's what they're going to define identity as, right? The thing you do when you first meet people is, hi, my name's Chris. What do you do? I do this, right? It's just normal. It's not necessarily bad. It's just normal. But what if there was a mind shift change? What if there was a heart change? What if you and I can get to the place where we're not identifying based on what we have or what others say about us or what we do, but it's based on who we are in Jesus? And what if the reason that you and I might be getting stuck in this season is because we're not functioning in the identity that God has called us to function in? And for those of you this morning that are in the room that this is kind of new to you, the first step is to just say yes to Jesus. The first step is allowing him to adopt you. See, the Bible says that before you were born, there's this lie that, that people say that everyone's like a child of God and, and, and to a degree we were, we were made in God's image, but that's not true. What it actually says in the New Testament is that you were a son of Satan. You're a child of the devil. Not because you were the devil. Don't, it's not like you're demon infested and stuff. No, no. But because you were born in sin. But the gift of God is eternal life. And, and the Bible talks about it in John 3, that you have to be reborn in him. And that when you're reborn in him, the Bible says that the father adopts you. And so this is why this whole identity thing is powerful. Because he's not just making you his son. He's adopting you into the family. And see, what, every, what everybody was doing in baptisms earlier was saying this. Was saying, everyone, friends, family, neighbors, coworkers, whoever was here, whoever was watching online. I am no longer part of who I used to be. But I'm now part of the family of God. Because I've been adopted in Jesus. My identity is now in him and not everything else. And for maybe some of us today that we would be reminded to not get so caught up in all the other stuff that our identity would fall short in, but to remind ourselves that no, my identity is in Jesus. Because let's be honest, some of you have got caught up in having your identity in stuff. Some of you have got caught up in this season having your identity what others say about you. And some of you have got your identity caught up in what you do, even for the Lord. And we cannot live our identity based on that, because it will always be shallow. Stand to your feet with me. Thank you again for tuning into our podcast. For more info, please visit our website at thrivelathrop.com. Have an amazing rest of your week.